Hi. Hello there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's pleasure. So I've I've got you to interview today. Yes, indeed. It's been a while since I've actually uploaded a podcast episode. Either way, let's get get into this. I got the book last week. Good. I'm glad it got there safe and sound. I was worried about that. Wasn't fully safe. It did have a bit of a crease in it. Gotta love the postal service. Yeah. But it seems... You really don't. (laughs) It seems alright. It's a... It's funny. Oh, I'm glad. It's had its moment. Did you make a Sword Art Online reference in one of the chapters? I made every reference I could, uh, while remaining as copyright-free as possible. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Because I was reading it, and I got to that page, and I was just like, wait, did he make a Sword Art Online reference there? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the blessings of, you know, self-publishing. You don't have to answer to anyone except yourself. So whatever you want to throw in there, as long, like I said, as long as it doesn't violate copyright, then you're golden. You can make as many pop culture references as you want. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm not going to write something unless I'm, you know, laughing at it myself. So might as well. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there. I, I wrote a few stories once. Oh, Yeah. Did you ever publish them or anything? Technically, someone else published them for me because it was in like a story competition thingy. Oh, cool. Like an anthology or something like that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Professor... Um, it's short for, well, that's my, my pen name. My real name is Daniel M. Sircladies. So Sir is just like the abbreviation of my last name. Uh, I'm not technically like a college graduate in anything, but I have, you know, been to school for quite a number of years, just never for anything in, in particular. Um, I wrote this book, the book we're talking about, it's called Prez Troll, um, just just kind of because I could, because I have a lot of friends on social media who, I, honestly, people like you, uh, who have always had a story in their head or have tried to write stories before, but for whatever reason, the process just seems too complicated, or they're scared someone's going to steal their idea, or th- there's just a whole list of fears that I come across all the time. So to yeah. try and, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad, but it's, I under, I completely understand why, um, wannabe writers have those reservations. So to try and combat that. And as part of like a funny little, I bet I can write a, a book in a week challenge thing. Um, I did just that. I wrote a book based on a writing prompt that I randomly selected, uh, and it turned into Prez Troll. And now, as of the time of this recording, I'm planning on releasing a grand total of 10 stories that have to do with Prez Troll. But it, um, yeah, that, that's the, the plan right now. So far, we've got one down. So 
working on the second one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had to do stuff like that and as well, especially with, like, copyright and stuff. Mm-hmm. Copyright's a thing to deal with. Yeah, honestly, as far as copyright goes, the hardest part about it was patience, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because the... I don't know how it is ever else, but from where I did it, the United States Copyright Service, uh, it was just it was just a ridiculous waiting period. Even though I had all the private information, I wasn't going through a publisher or anything like that. That's one of the benefits to going through a publisher. If you ever want to, you know, do that, uh, they'll take care of copyright and everything for you. Uh, the downside is they get to decide what's actually in the book and what isn't. So. When you self-publish a book, you just go through the website, do the thing, and then they make you wait a million years before they actually verify yeah. the. So it took it took ages for it to get delivered. Yeah, I don't know if so. You've got a copy of the book right now. Yeah, so it's you, next to me. <laughs> so if you actually um, if you open up the front cover a little bit and you look at the uh, not the title page but where the ISBN number is and all that. Yeah, it should say copyright pending because by the time I submitted it for publication, just online, it's that easy. You can just do it online. Um, the cop the copyright form still hadn't come in the mail yet, so it says copyright pending. But I can assure everyone that there that it the copyright has come through. I do have it, um, so it's there. But it's the book will at least this version of the book will forever have copyright pending in the front. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. But weren't you saying that, I remember in one of the conversations we had via Instagram DM, you were saying that once like, you release all the books, you want to get like an audio book version out, don't you? Absolutely. And that is still the goal. So whenever that happens, um, I will, I'll, I'll be able to take off the copyright pending thing. Although the interesting thing is I'm not, sure if i'm going to have to copyright so so the end goal is to take because the first book was kind of like a part one and then the second book is going to be like the part two so my, my goal is to release part one and two eventually as a single story so i'm as of now i'm not entirely sure if i'd have to get a new isbn number excuse me for that uh combination of book one and two but when I get more details, I'm sure I'll let everyone know. I I would be I wouldn't be surprised if I did, but I also wouldn't be surprised if I didn't have to either. Interesting. Because mm -hmm. I know I've been trying to. Because I've seen people have got like their podcasts onto Audible and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to do that with the after hours comedy. So. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people start doing podcasts recently because of, you know, the quarantine and, and stuff like that. You just have a lot of things they want to say and they'll start saying them. A lot of people go through Spotify, from what I understand, Spotify or SoundCloud. That's because I believe it doesn't cost anything to start a podcast on there. I do not know that for sure, though. Don't don't, don't quote me on that or anything. Because the platform I use to record my podcast, it basically, you, all I really do is record it, edit it, it, 
it basically gets me on all platforms and does all that. Mm -hmm. So I don't really need to worry about it. See, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, so it took you a week to write this book, didn't you? Yeah, technically five days over the course of a 4th of July weekend. And um, yeah, it honestly, it, it wasn't that hard. I don't know if it's just because I find writing really, I, I, I don't want to say I find writing easy, but it's definitely not the hardest thing in the world, especially what, well, the key is with writing any story, if you're not enjoying what you're writing if you're not on even if you have like an entire story planned out if you're not on your own little journey of self-discovery of uncovering the mysteries of your own tale as you're writing the book basically if you're not enjoying what you're writing while you're writing it then you're never going to finish it that was a problem i i struggled with when i was younger because i've always wanted to write books but i've never finished anything because for some reason as a kid i just assumed that there had to be chapters devoted to oh nothing is happening or we're just moving one character from one spot to another and i have to show that but really you don't have to you're as the writer you decide anything and everything that happens in the story and if it's entertaining to read if it's entertaining to visualize then you should keep it if it's not fun to read if it's not fun to write then just skip it. Don't even worry about it and just move on. And that's something I really, really honed in on writing uh, this story. Yeah, I I had that problem with a few of the stories I wrote where it came to rewriting them. Mm -hmm. Actually, some, so some words of advice that I got from, his name's Andrew Clavin. I think he does political stuff these days, but he's a well-renowned writer and a few of his books have been made into television series and, and movies. But he mentioned when it comes to writing, you know you're done when you're not adding anything to the story, you're just changing things. So if you're in a position where all you're doing is changing details, uh, but you're not really enhancing the story at all, you're not adding adding anything to your tale, then you're done. You, you should be done. You should call it a day, finish it, edit it, and let it be. Let people enjoy what you have. Don't bother um, Don't bother putting too much time and effort into changing things because I actually, um, I heard a story about a writer. I, I used to be in a writing group when I was younger. Um, to my knowledge, I'm the only one who's actually published a book in that writing group. <laughs> but anyway. Wonderful. Yeah. But uh, so... Our, our instructor, who herself was a published author, she mentioned that in an adult group that she was a part of, there was a gentleman who had been writing the same story for years. Actually, it wasn't even the same story. It was the same opening chapter for years. He was constantly going back and revitalizing it, reworking the characters, adding descriptions, taking away things. One single chapter. And she admitted that that chapter was great. But at what cost? She hadn't, or this guy hadn't written any other part of his story yet. So you just, you just got to pick and choose what you do. And, and don't stress too much about anything. Just 
enjoy yourself while you're writing, make yourself laugh, make yourself excited to read the next part and don't spend too much time on any part. That's, that's my advice. Yeah. Well, I want to write another book, but yeah, again, I've been struggling for ideas at the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're struggling for ideas, um, there, there are three things you can do and all of them take under two minutes. The, the first thing you can do is bounce your idea off of another person. You know, if, if the person isn't really interested in it, if they don't find anything exciting about it, then you should probably come up with something else. And honestly, that situation will force you to make something else up on the spot to try and keep their attention. So that's a good, it's a little like mini brainstorming session that always works. There's also um, writing prompts. I have a huge, huge book of uh, writing prompts that I just picked up at a random bookstore. You could probably even find it in the airport somewhere. <laughs> but uh, there's also, no, if you want to avoid spending money, there's a plethora of writing prompts on this little thing we call the internet. So it's, yeah. the, those are in abundance. And honestly, they're great. There's no shame. Uh, Prez Troll was started on a writing prompt. And while the story itself doesn't really match the original writing prompt, the writing prompt was enough to get me started. So that helps too. again, under two minutes. And uh, the third and final thing is to go for a walk. I know it's kind of hard in this day and age, but even if you're just walking around your house, uh, just unplug for a little bit, put your phone down. Don't, don't put your headphones on. Don't do anything like that. Just leave technology behind and literally walk in a circle. Something will pop into your head. It's guaranteed. But anyway, again, all three of those things, under two minutes, always work. Okay. Um, and would you have any advice for people listening from home? Uh, just in general, or? Just in anything, really. Uh, don't play with matches. Don't do gender reveals. California. <laughs> um... And if you want to do something, the only one stopping you from doing it is yourself. That's, that's my advice. Whether you, if you want to be popular on social media, do it, you know, don't, and, and do it for yourself too. Like, don't go with the flow. That's if, if, if nobody takes anything else away from this, take this away. Don't go with the flow. There is no reason whatsoever to do what everyone else is doing just because everyone else is doing it. All right, this is a lesson that was echoed to me, you know, starting in elementary school and it's still, well, it's kind of waned recently, but it's something that I completely and totally stand by today. Do not do what everyone else is doing. If everyone else is, I, I don't know, I, I look back on just looking at TikTok for a quick second. Everyone seems to change, or actually even Instagram, people will, if there's a, a movement, a political movement or some type of game or show that everyone is just obsessed about and everyone's changing their profile pictures or making content about said thing. Don't do that. All right. Unless it's something you thoroughly enjoy, don't hop on that train because when that train eventually derails, what are you going to be left with? You're going to be, you're not going to have anything. You're going to feel like, Oh, I'm not doing good at this anymore. I'm not getting the attention I wanted or I once had, I, I might as well give up. That's the mentality, at least the, that haunts me. So don't go with the flow. Uh, do your own thing and do it because you want to.
you'll always succeed if you do that. It'll be hard, but you'll still do it. I think that's what's happening with a lot of YouTubers and streamers recently as as well, because as we know, Fortnite was very popular in 2018, but as it starts to decrease over the later years, they've had nothing really to use for content. Absolutely. And then when Fall Guys popped up, everybody was just hopping on board for Fall Guys, but that died in like under a month or something. It was, I don't know exactly how long it was, but Fall Guys was here for just a just a hot second, barely any time at all, especially when compared to Fortnite. And now it's all about Among Us. So it's, if you're constantly just trying to ride the waves, then it's kind of hard to produce timeless content. And I, I don't know, I feel like everybody can accomplish timeless content if they don't go with the flow. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, yeah. People generally people will follow you on social media or they'll tune into your to your podcast or your stuff for you specifically and they'll be more interested in you if you are yourself. If you're yourself, if you stick to yourself, if you try and stick to the things that interest you uh, covering like a popular topic or an interesting subject or whatever every once in a while is okay but like you were saying, with YouTubers especially, they they just kind of float from one popular video game to the next. And it when that game isn't popular anymore, in the case of Fall Guys, I can't even imagine how much wasted money there there was. Like, because it's hardly anyone is playing it right now. And people spent a lot of money. I mean, the game wasn't super expensive, from what I understand, but And when it first came out, it was free on PlayStation for a little bit. Okay, so that's good. So maybe not as much wasted money, but definitely you could argue wasted time. It's Yeah. So I don't know, it's just I've always found it just to pull one quick example from my content. So I made a video a few months ago about a modern day plague doctor. It was a parody documentary on my YouTube channel, and that video it it doesn't tie into anything. It wasn't Halloween yet, so it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to post that when I did. But I actually, I want to say it was July. I don't remember exactly when I posted it, but it's kind of random. Just kind of threw it up on social media on YouTube, and it's now my most viewed video. Um, I don't know if that has to do with Halloween coming up soon or anything like that, but. It was just a unique thing. It was a video I wanted to do because that's the kind of content I enjoy. I like parodies and it's paying off now as opposed to if I had just done what everyone else was doing and just gotten Fall Guys and just streamed that, you know, I don't, I doubt any of those videos would still be, they, they wouldn't be raking in any views right now. So it's, I don't know, it pays to do your own thing, I think. Yeah, um. I'm looking at your YouTube channel now and I'm wondering what the heck go happens with your views. One day you like get a lot of views, then the next day you just don't get any. I've noticed that um, there's a couple of people who will watch something, especially in the case of a live stream. They will watch something the second it's uploaded. They'll be notified. They'll have the bell on, whatever it might be. Same thing with, with any social media platform, Instagram, Byte, TikTok, anything like that. 
there are certain people that are just always there. As soon as you upload something, they like it, they see it, they comment. They're just there. They're awesome. Those those are like the hardcore fans. And then you've got the the stragglers. They're very few, but they'll show up, you know, generally at the end of the day that something has been posted. But the majority of views and attention that content gets, I've noticed, comes after like a few days, maybe even a few months, in the case of the Plague Doctor video, after something has been uploaded. It'll just suddenly pick up pick up uh, Steam again. Like, I don't know, looking at Among Us, the game Among Us, it's been out for a couple of years now. But it's only recently started to gain popularity because uh, people took a break from Fall Guys and started looking at other random games. So, again, it pays to do your own thing. Uh, do it at your own pace. And if you have to take breaks every once in a while, don't be afraid to take breaks. A lot of social media people are afraid of taking breaks. They're worried that all of those millions of people that were tuning into their stuff are just going to magically disappear. They're not. They're still going to be there. And uh, if anything, taking a break is going to give people a chance to look at your other content that's up there that maybe didn't do very well the first time. So I don't know. Yeah. Cause I do YouTube. I've been doing it since around roughly 2017, but yeah, again, coming out with video ideas, it's become very hard. Yeah. It, it's a struggle. Sometimes it's, I've definitely struggled because YouTube out of all the platforms that I'm on right now, profitable but um or at least down the road it seems to be the most likely uh platform that i could see success on but as someone who grew up with really really short videos like on tiktok and vine and even instagram where people would short little or upload little snippets or clips or even meme compilations meme compilations are always generally really really short so moving from that to uh, YouTube likes videos that are at least 25 seconds long, which shouldn't be that hard, but it's, it's challenging sometimes. But again, uh, those, those ideas that I mentioned earlier, uh, if you ever have like writer's block or need ideas, bounce them off other people, uh, go online, look for writing prompts and go for a walk. Those, those work for video ideas too, I've noticed. I've also seen that like a lot of social media platforms have recently started paying their creators. Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. I think it's long overdue. I mean, there are really, really talented people out there. I'm not going to throw myself in with them, but there are there are some really funny, really talented video creators, content creators out there, and I I firmly believe they deserve to be paid for their efforts. So I think it's a good thing. It's not much from what I understand. Not everyone is going to be PewDiePie. Not everyone is going to get, you know, a substantial living off of it at first. It takes a while. You have to build up a following and you have to be as consistent as you can. But it's, I, I'm really grateful that it is. I finally, myself on TikTok, they finally recognize that I'm a legal adult. Took them number of months but now that they recognize that i'm at least over the age of 18 that i can work with advertisers if need be so that's it's good i i appreciate it i i like it it's it's a step in the right direction 
I don't even know with what's going on with TikTok at the moment because once I put eff- a lot of effort into a video, it flops. But when I just have a video of me run, like, just I could scream at the camera and that's more likely to get more popular than any of my videos I've put effort into. And yet, the video that you put more effort into is more likely to make a comeback. At least that's my that's been my experience. So I've had the same thing happen where, I mean, there's a video of me laying on my floor talking about a blonde moment I had in school, which has thousands and thousands of views on my TikTok profile. Contrast that with videos that I, I do where I actually write out a script. I think about a topic for a long time. I edit it as much as I can to make it look as intelligent and enticing as possible barely gets maybe 2000 views, which is nothing to shrug at. 2000 views is great. Um, But when you have almost 200,000 followers, it's hardly anything. So it's, but again, going back to what I said, the video that I edited a lot is more likely to make a comeback. That's more likely to show up on someone's for you page than the video of me laying on the floor that got really popular for a little bit because people like random low effort videos. So I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a toss up. You, it's, there's nothing wrong with doing a low quality video, but I completely understand the frustration because it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. And TikTok's algorithm as well. It's just, it's hard to actually get on to the algorithm. It really is. Wait, I mean, I, I've, I've been trying to upload YouTube videos again because YouTube's algorithm's really pleasing and actually helps out creators. Yeah, it usually does. YouTube's got, I mean, every platform has its own problems, but yeah, TikTok's is really finicky. I've, I've found, you're absolutely right though. They Now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, there definitely seems to be a weird lure for the low effort. Um, well, not not low effort, just random kind of videos. It's like I can totally see. Um, well, at least with my understanding, people will like something without watching it all the way through. And that's especially the case on TikTok because people are the videos are so short. Anyway, you can scroll through hundreds and hundreds of videos in a relatively short period of time. So if somebody has, we call it the hook in the the writing universe that I'm a part of, uh, the hook is that, that first thing that someone sees when they come across your content, whether it's written or a video or whatever. If you have a good hook, if you have something that pulls people out of whatever mindset they're in, then more likely than not, they're going to like your video. So in going back to your example, if you upload a video of you just screaming or staring at the the screen and screaming, people are just going to instantly like that because it's random and it's a, it's a quick laugh. And most people are online looking for a quick laugh. So I, I don't know. I totally understand that kind of reasoning. So if, if the hook is, is good, it doesn't have to be like a crazy amount of effort or anything like that. But if the hook is good, then it'll, it'll work. Oh, isn't, isn't it like YouTube are trying to make like their own little like YouTube sorts or something like that 
to compete with TikTok. Yeah, and Instagram has Reels, which I use, um, admittedly. They've everyone's. I mean, TikTok's been almost kind of banned so many times now that it it actually has been banned in a few countries as of as of October third, twenty twenty, when we're recording this. Uh, it's. It makes total sense why other platforms want to start utilizing that because people are more likely, at least with my understanding, uh, like me and my friends, we're more likely to get onto TikTok or Byte. Byte's a, a, the follow-up to Vine made by the same people. Um, people are more likely to use those social media platforms than YouTube or Instagram or any of the, or even Facebook, stuff like that, because... Uh, well, well, think about it this way on YouTube, more likely than not content creators are going to produce something that's around the 10 minute mark, because that's how you can get the most, uh, yes, the most advertised, the most ad revenue. Um, I think it's changed a little bit recently, but that was the general understanding for a while was if you have a video around the 10 minute mark, you're going to get the most ad revenue out of your video based on how many views you get. And so, um, actually, Sorry? I'm pretty sure a video now needs to be like eight minutes for them to actually get paid from it. Yeah, eight minutes. That's right. That's the new uh, mark. So eight-minute videos, again, not super long in the grand scheme of things. But if you have the option of watching an eight-minute video and maybe, maybe chuckling once or twice, as opposed to a 15-second clip, that is almost guaranteed to make you laugh or think about something or interest you. Like people are going to take the 15 second clip every single time. And ironically, the platforms that have the shorter clips like TikTok and Byte, uh, they get more attention than like people are, there's more watch time overall on those platforms than on YouTube. And those platforms want as much watch time as possible because that means they can shove more ads in people's faces and thereby collect more money from advertisers. So it, it makes total sense why YouTube is YouTube and Instagram and a couple other platforms are, are trying to get some of that sweet, sweet TikTok crowd money. Yeah. Cause people had a YouTube saw a problem with people who like stretch their videos out to 10 minutes, which would be very annoying. Yeah, it is super annoying. It's, it's annoying as a content creator because I, I know for me personally, the reason I, I refused, I flat out refused to use YouTube for a very, very long time because I did not want to do that. If, if I was going to make a video, I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to have to stretch it out just so I could collect a paycheck. And I, for again, from my own personal experience, if a content creator stretches their video out, I don't care what the reason is. I'm not sticking around to watch the whole thing. Like it's, I'm, I'm out. As soon as the punchline falls, like I'm moving on to the next thing. I'm, I'm not that desperate for anyone's content that I'll stick around and, and watch them, you know, sit there and stare at the camera just in an attempt to stretch their video out or whatever they do. Sometimes People will just have like the thumbnail. This is, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but people on YouTube will just have the thumbnail on screen. Maybe they'll have a voiceover, maybe not. And it'll just, that'll be like the last 
couple minutes of the video. It's just the thumbnail just so they can get that sweet ad revenue. It's really annoying. It's annoying as a person who watches a lot of videos and it's annoying, I'm sure for them because I don't know, I, I would assume they would just want to get it done as, as efficiently and quickly as possible and then move on to the next project. But yeah, you're right. It's absolutely annoying. YouTube was really the first platform I actually went to at the time because there wasn't really anything else at the time as TikTok was still musically, Instagram was whatever Instagram was back then. <laughs> yeah, um, I was kind of in a similar boat. I tried YouTube when I was way younger with one of my friends. And we did it for a little bit. We made a couple of, I think we just had Movie Maker, the app Movie Maker or something like that on his phone. And that was what we used to make quote unquote videos. They're still out there somewhere. Um, but I I forget what they're called. I think it was like, we can do it better. That was the name of our, it's a terrible name for a YouTube channel, but uh, we tried it for a little bit and it was just too tedious. We We were constantly, I think a big problem that a lot of, novice content creators uh, struggle with is they try to be their favorite content creator. They try to produce uh, content that can match, that can rival whoever they enjoy watching. And oftentimes it's really, really, not everyone's going to have the same editing skills, the same uh, software at their disposal. And it, it can be really, really discouraging. And I've seen a lot of really like really good content creators, up and coming content creators who have a lot of potential just straight up quit because they're constantly comparing them, themselves to other people. And if you constantly compare yourself to someone else, you're never going to be happy because you're, you're trying to be someone else. You shouldn't be anyone but yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Yeah. I a couple months ago, I went and basically just deleted all my old YouTube videos because I wasn't happy with them at the time. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? They were. It, I mean, it made me feel better because I wanted to give my channel a whole reboot. Since I wasn't making those videos at the time, I was just doing what videos were popular. Mm hmm. Sometimes palate cleansing is a good thing. I would, I would encourage, I give the same pieces of advice to artists, uh, people who draw and, and create digital art, especially on Instagram. If, if you make something, uh, stick with it, you know, just leave it there, leave it alone and, and own up to it. A lot of artists I've noticed, not so much video creators, sometimes, uh, novice content creators do this, but it's usually artists they'll include in the description of their piece of art or in the comments that they respond to, they'll constantly apologize. They'll, they'll, they'll constantly apologize for the thing that they've made. Oh, I'm sorry that this doesn't look right. I'm sorry that the audio doesn't add up right here. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Don't ever apologize for something you've created. Unless it's like, act, like genuinely controversial and you're on the verge of being completely kicked off of a platform for something. Although even then there, there are exceptions, but like if you've, if you've gone through the effort to create something, just leave it alone. Nine times out of 10, nobody's going to even notice what's wrong with it until you bring it up. 
And if they do notice something, if they have a criticism of it, you know, take it in stride, learn from it, but don't ever degrade your efforts just for the sake of trying to make yourself feel better. Or, you know, if thinking that that's somehow going to draw people to be more sympathetic with you, it won't, it'll just push people away from your content. Never apologize for anything you produce. Just leave it alone, own up to it and take whatever criticisms you can get. I, I completely understand all of what you're basically saying. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Cause a lot of people seem to struggle with it and I totally, totally understand why they do. It's a common mentality. The, the idea that you have to apologize for everything. Um, you, you don't. Nothing anyone produces will ever be perfect because there there's no such thing as a perfect person. There's only been one perfect person and his name was Jesus. So like it, nobody out there is perfect. Nobody's going to produce a perfect piece of content or art. So don't worry if it's not perfect, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. It is just fine as it is. If somebody criticizes it, take it in stride. I feel like this year specifically, doing social media has been a lot harder, especially with like how many people have joined apps like TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Because we've all been stuck inside, so people are going to need something to do and a way of making money. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's, I feel like avenues for employment and understanding, I know a lot of people have been doing some personal soul searching and recording themselves of this, as they've done so. It's been really interesting to see how people in different parts of the world react to the shutdown, regardless of how long or how short it may have been, said, said a shutdown may have been. And you're, you're absolutely right. The demand for content has skyrocketed. And ironically, at least over here in America, uh, Hollywood has basically shot themselves in the foot. They've, they are the ones who are shouting that everything needed to be shut down. And unfortunately that included them. So their theme parks are, are, have been shut down. Their broadcasting companies have had to you know, cut back films that they've helped produce, have been put on hold or just outright canceled. And Hollywood is actively dying right now. It is struggling for money. They'll never admit it, but they are struggling for funds. Their finished projects can't be released because they're, you know, where are you going to release them? Movie theaters are starting to reopen in the US, um, but not enough people are going to them anyway. So they've, it's funny for me as a, as a small content creator to see the giant corporation, you know, shooting them or corporations, I should say, uh, shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak, and completely struggling and wondering what the heck happened. And it's really good for me because uh, me and other content creators, I apologize for Houndoom, but uh, it's my dog in the background. But it, it's good for smaller content creators because we're an alternative to all the different. I mean, YouTube is free to use. They have a, a you know YouTube Premium or whatever that people can pay for. But anyone can hop on a browser anywhere 
and access YouTube and access the content that um, has been given. Anyone can download TikTok so long as it hasn't been banned in your country. Anyone can download Byte. Anyone can download Instagram. Uh, and you can, there, there's an unlimited plethora of things you can watch, funny things, things that aren't drawn out to two and a half hours. If you want that kind of stuff, it's there, but you, there, there's so many other options and it's been, it's been hard, obviously, because like you said, there's a huge demand now for content. But at the same time, it's been an incredible blessing to up and coming content creators. There's so many more opportunities to produce something. So I'm, I don't know, I'm, I, I might just be a little bit of an optimist here, but I, I'm actually really grateful for the lockdown and at least the good sides of it. There have been bad sides, obviously, but I'm, I'm grateful for the progress we've been able to see so far. Yeah, but it's great. And also living in England, Disney Plus came out at the perfect time. Oh, right. So as soon as we went into lockdown, it just came out. I do want, I actually want to ask you, uh, so what did you think of, so Mulan was extra on top of the Disney Plus subscription, if I remember correctly. Um, so what, what did you think of that? I've not watched it. You are not alone. <laughs> I'm not paying more money just to watch a film on a platform that's already being paid for monthly. See that? I've heard that from a lot of people, and I share that sentiment as well. I have Disney Plus, um, but I'm not paying an extra. Over here, it's it's thirty dollars USD. I don't know how many uh, how many pounds that is, but it's it, it's a ridiculous. It's more than a movie ticket. It's, it's like, I'm not, I'm same boat, same boat. I'm not paying that. <laughs> I'm not paying for that. Apparently they were meant to be releasing Black Widow onto Disney Plus, but because of Mulan didn't, or however you pronounce it, didn't get very popular, people, they're not wanting to put Black Widow onto Disney Plus. Yeah. And it, it doesn't help that Milan was shrouded in an, an absolute ridiculous amount of controversy. I don't know if you've heard about what uh, the film creators decided to do in the end credits, but um, it was it's it's a pretty big deal. Generally, you shouldn't support death camps of any kind, and the creators of Milan did a specifically a Muslim death camp that. Uh, has direct ties to the Chinese government. I, I don't remember exactly how they credited them. They There was some kind of like thank you message at the end of Mulan in the end credits. It was, it was all over social media when Mulan first dropped. Uh, but yeah, that... I think what bothers me the most about that, as far as Mulan goes, is Mulan was Disney's chance to break into streaming on a whole other level, not just uploading all of their content to Disney plus, you know, original documentaries, whatever. But if they started releasing Disney exclusive videos to that platform, they would have been set, but they had to go. And not only Mulan is a terrible film for one, they not only had to release Mulan for a ridiculous amount of money. They also had to make, because it was filmed in China primarily and the Chinese government requires that certain 
credit be given, they had to credit, or they at least they made the decision to credit some kind of organization that is directly tied to Muslim death camps. It's like, yeah, let's leave that on our one shot, our last chance to bring Disney Plus out of this level of, of, of obscurity that it's kind of been floating in for a while now. And they went, they just completely botched it. And now uh, Black Widow is suffering for it, which is really sad. And now people are kind of not wanting to watch Disney Plus or Netflix at the moment with everything, all the controversy with with that as well. Yeah. Which leaves streaming platforms suffering and not really being able to make money. Yeah, it's it's got to be hard for them. Anybody that works in those in those kinds of fields, it's got to be difficult for them. And again, you know, looking at social media, why would I pay for a Disney Plus subscription when I can just go onto YouTube and find out basically the same the same kind of content, not pirated, because you know that's bad. Don't watch pirated content anywhere. Um, like I'm not I'm not being sarcastic here. Like seriously, don't watch any kind of pirated content. It will come back to bite you. I don't have personal experience with that, but I know people who do, and it's bad. But Again, like, why would I pay for a Disney Plus subscription when I can just get on YouTube for free and find basically the same content uh, from a regular person's perspective? Like, if I, why would I pay? There's a a series on Disney Plus that I enjoyed for a little bit that was all about uh, props, movie props that Disney had in their archives. But in order to watch that, I have to have a Disney Plus subscription. Why would I pay for that when I can just go onto YouTube uh, and type in, you know, tour through Disney props uh, or, or something to that effect and see the same content essentially, but for free. I don't know. It's, it's just a, I, I don't see streaming platforms doing very well in the future, unless they start producing more and more exclusive content that isn't cuties or Mulan. Like that's, I don't know why, but they seem to really, really struggle with keeping their politics out of their, out of their, content it's just really annoying yeah and netflix hasn't even been producing that many good films and tv shows over the past few months Mm-hmm. i mean they did just release that like anola holmes thing like a week ago but from what i've heard it didn't do very well well yeah it's the problem is that all it takes is one major controversy and Netflix and Disney Plus now have major controversies. They've got Netflix has Cuties, which is an absolute horror fest for any kind of major organization. And anything and everything attached to that that film is just it's like from Treasure Island, the black spot. It's like the mark of death for pirates. That's basically Netflix basically handed themselves a black spot in the form of Cuties. It's it's like a mark of death for their platform. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but hashtag cancel Netflix was on or cancel Netflix subscription, something like that was trending across social media on Instagram and mostly Twitter, but nobody cares about Twitter. Um, it's, it's bad. All, all it takes, it does everything else that Netflix produces could be the most amazing show ever conceived. But if I, 
I don't see a lot of people watching it because a lot of people did cancel their Netflix subscriptions. People who were investing in Netflix pulled out and all because of that one film you had to release that, that terrible, terrible film. Well, they didn't just release it. I, I think it's fair to point out that Netflix and the reviewers that they paid off pushed that film on every site that they could everywhere. They were, there were ads for it. There were posters. Yeah. Come rather than like, pushing cuties under the rug and later like apologizing for it or denouncing it or taking it off the platform. Netflix shoved that thing in everybody's faces, trying to say that, no, no, this is, it's a, it's art. That was the argument they used. It's art. How dare you not like their art? And it's like, this isn't art. There's, there's a difference between art and what is morally right. And you can have something that is art and morally correct, morally right it doesn't have to be, they, they don't have to be separate. In fact, some of the most popular pieces of media are morally correct uh, and also pieces of art. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but it's just, it's hard. Well, yeah, this year specific, specifically, when it's come to content, it's it's got it went uphill at the beginning of quarantine, but now it's just going down. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially with a lot of things needing to like have delays and stuff when it's come to filming. Yeah, it's hard. I I do know for a fact that the surprisingly the Czech Republic is doing very well when it comes to film and filming because their um the way that their film industry works is they had the same restrictions as everyone else but it was more open to interpretation so they placed more emphasis on the individual rather than the collective and as a result of the, I'm paraphrasing of course but as a direct result of that they were able to open their their filming and their sets and their their industry a little bit faster uh, by a couple of months, if I remember, like the lockdown went into full effect worldwide in March and they were open again in May and they were shooting things. They were filming. They were still taking precautions. They still had doctors. They were still, you know, protecting people and whatnot, but they were still able to work. And I can't help but wonder how different things might have been if the rest of the world had followed some some kind of similar standard where they'd put more focus on the individual rather than the collective yeah it's it i don't even know with this year anymore because in august in england we had like this thing where it was eat out to help out so on mondays tuesdays and wednesdays if you went to like a restaurant and ate in you'd get a discount but come september when cases started rising again they started blaming it on people for actually going out and eating. Oh, man. Oh. Just playing the game, the blame game, from what it sounds like. That's really what the UK government have been doing for the past six years. Yikes. It sounds okay, like... Okay, so... Go for it. Yeah. No, you finish. I was going to say, it sounds like, yeah, the, the blame game. It's it, it just sounds like nobody really had a plan in the UK for what we were 
for what they were going to do or how they were going to reopen. They never did really. They were because we were for certain that it was really only going to be like. Because I remember they had closed schools down back in March, and we were expecting to go back soon, Elias, but then lockdown got extended. Yikes. Didn't Donald Trump get diagnosed with COVID the other day? Yes, he did. I don't know everything about the case, but apparently... Um, remaining as unbiased as possible, of course, as I say this, Apparently, he went to the hospital on his own accord, and he's completely stable and even in recovery, from what I understand. Getting diagnosed with COVID-19 doesn't mean that you're sick, technically. It just means that you have the virus and you're able to be treated for it. And I actually saw something talking about how there's a... So, of course, all of Trump's opponents in media and on social, well, on social media, especially are, you know, cheering for this. They're yay. He's sick. He's going to, people are horribly horrible. People are actually calling for him to, you know, kick the bucket, so to speak, which I just think is absolutely disgusting. You know, regardless of whether you like someone or not, you shouldn't wish for someone to, you know, die. <laughs> That's pretty awful. But um, yeah, he's apparently, he's gaining popularity in the polls. Like his, his support is skyrocketing much in the same way. Uh, I don't remember exactly who else was. There were two other world. Oh, in Brazil. And I think in the UK could be totally yeah. wrong. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, our prime minister. I don't know if he had it or not. I think according to the to the story that I read earlier this morning, uh, they I don't know if they actually got it. They just had the diagnostic, or the, excuse me, they were diagnosed with it. And as a result, support for them went up. There have only been three uh, world leaders who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. And it's Donald Trump, it's the UK uh, prime minister, and the Brazilian uh, president, or whatever his name is. Uh whatever they call him over there. Uh, but yeah, they all, all of them saw an increase of support as a direct result of being diagnosed with COVID-19. So I don't know how this is going to turn out, but from what I understand, Donald Trump is doing okay. Like he basically drove himself to the hospital. So he's not, he, he's not like in a, in his deathbed or anything like that. So I, I don't know. It's just how the world is shaping up right now. And he's the one who said we didn't need masks. I don't know about that. It wouldn't surprise me if he said that he hasn't been very, I don't keep up with politics obviously, but um, I do remember hearing that he wasn't very gun ho about COVID protection which makes sense. He's a business dude. He wants to keep businesses open. He wants to keep people employed. Um, and COVID requires that every, everything basically be shut down. Unless you're a content creator. But um, yeah, it is It is kind of ironic that he would receive the... That he would be diagnosed with it. 
Yeah, well, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. It's funny how the world works. It's, it's it's funny. It's it's worth laughing at sometimes, most times, and I think that's part of the reason that I decide to make content because there's plenty to laugh at, and I mean, who who doesn't want a little chuckle every once in a while? Only thing is, this year specifically, if you're a content creator, someone's gonna find a way to hate on you and get you like hated on. Yeah, I've I've developed, especially earlier, um, early like mid twenty nineteen when I started doing TikTok. Actually, some of the first videos that I made, or one of the first videos that I made, I talked about how terrible Captain Marvel is. And I stand by that. Terrible Captain Marvel is not only a terrible character, it's a terrible film. And I, I wasn't quite as, as explicit in my, dis, my opinion in this particular video. But um, bear in mind, this is when I first started TikTok. I post this video where I joked, I had not seen Captain Marvel yet. So I made a joke that Captain Mar the way to fix Captain Marvel would be to have her and Spider-Man form like a, a sibling relationship where they were constantly joking with each other, you know, playing off one another. And in the video, I mentioned that Captain Marvel could help Spider-Man with his homework or something. And in return, again, this is without seeing the film, I said this. I said, in return, uh, Spider-Man could teach her how to smile or something like that. Only to find out through angry comments in that video that it's like a thing in the movie that somebody tells Captain Marvel to smile. And for some reason, that's a horrible thing. How dare, you know, oh, that's so messed up. That's so messed up. How dare you ask a lady to smile? Like, I, I don't know. I just, but that was a video, early video that sparked a lot of controversy. And interestingly enough, as a result of that, I gained quite a lot, quite a lot of followers. I went from like under a hundred to close to three to 400 in a day or two just from a little bit of controversy so if if controversy strikes it's not always a bad thing but you're you're absolutely right there's a lot of it going around right now i i've because earlier this year i watched uh i watched the whole entire all the marvel films in the cinematic order and some of them are good, and then you just have Captain Marvel, which was... I wouldn't call it bad, but it was more in the middle. Yeah, just... It feels out of place, right? It came out at the worst possible time, with Endgame being released just a bit after. Yeah. And it didn't help that she hardly does anything in Endgame to begin with. Like, it... I, I don't know if I could, if I could fix Captain Marvel, I would change it from a prequel to a sequel to Endgame. Like I, I would have it. So Endgame is her introduction and we find out more about her in her adventures after Endgame. Like that's, that's just how I would do it because trying to shove her into basically 10 years worth of content just seems like an absolute waste. I, I actually, I completely agree with her. Mm -hmm. See, she came out at the worst possible time. People really wanted to see Endgame, but yet Captain Marvel came out. 
I was a fan of... I, I do like how they released on, like, National Woman's Day, though. Yeah, it was... That was a nice touch. I, I can't help but wonder, personally, how well Captain Marvel would have done if... Well, I, I think it's a fair point to make to mention that part of the reason Captain Marvel did okay at the box office was because everyone was so hyped up for Endgame. Like, I, I wonder if the same film had been released after Endgame or even before Infinity War, like, uh, would anyone have gone to see it? Would, would have gotten nearly as much? Because, I mean, Birds of Prey is another female-centered uh, superhero. Well, it's more like an anti-hero film, but that film, I don't remember that being released in correlation to any kind of Women's Day or anything like that, but that film was just kind of dropped and it, it did absolutely terrible didn't have anything to tie into. It was just, but it was the same kind of marketing where the creators, like, if you don't go and see this film, then you're sexist. Then you don't like women. You're a f official member of the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Like that, that was basically what the marketing was. And it completely backfired because regardless of what film creators and politicians might think, the majority of people who are going to see superhero films whether it's a, a man superhero or a girl superman or excuse me a girl superhero uh the majority of people who are going to see those films are straight males like they're they're dudes they're comic book fans there of yeah. course are there are of course girls out there who are going to see these films but the majority of the audience is going to consist of fans of the comic books uh people who have grown up with these characters and uh I, I don't know. I always thought it was a very strange marketing strategy to try and rather than just invite other people to come and see this film on top of the audience that you already have, what they try to do is they alienate the current fan base that they have, the, the comic book fan, essentially, the, the dude fan base. They try to alienate that and like, no, this is a women's film. This is for the ladies. Like, get out of here, men. This is not for you. Stand aside let the ladies step up. It's like, bro, I was, I was going to see your film, but now I don't feel like since you're, since you're ripping on me, I don't feel like going and seeing your movie now. So it's, I don't know. I kind of feels like marketing suicide to me. Yeah. I, I completely get where you're coming from. I feel like they're going to do that exact same thing when it comes to black widow. Yeah. I worry about that film. <laughs> Either way, we have been recording for quite a while, so just before we do the outro, do you want to plug your social medias? Yeah, so if anyone would like to follow me, uh, my username is Sir Mr. Senior, S-I-R-M-R-S-E-N-I-O-R, -R -E and you can find me on YouTube at Sir Mr. Senior. There's a space between the words Sir and Mr. Senior. If you want to find me on TikTok, it's just at Sir Mr. Senior. And then my Instagram is at Sir Mr. Senior Official. All one word, no underscores, no nothing. So, uh, yeah, I'm also on Byte as well, but I'm not sure anybody actually uses Byte. Only only hipsters apparently use Byte. So. I use it. Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad it's not as obscure as it used to be. 